This is The Athletic Baseball Show on The Athletic Podcast Network. Your readings and welcome to Starkville. Baseball Hall of Famer Jason Stark. And then the robot said, strike. That's why you're going in the Hall of Fame. It's an inside the park home run. Mike Trout is coffee at Starbucks with a double latte skinny. Doug, are you ready to make some podcast magic? I am ready. Bring on the magic wand. Let's do it. <laughs> Greetings and welcome to Starkville. Now part of the athletic baseball show where you will find great baseball talk all week long, all season long, and pretty soon, all postseason long. I'm Jason Stark. I write about baseball for The Athletic, and I am joined, yep, one more time this week, by my good friend, writer, broadcaster, professor, distinguished former major leaguer, and the voice of Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN Radio, Doug Glanville. So, Doug, we've got a big show for you. Hopefully, you can stay awake. Yeah, I should make it. I mean, one, two, three hours of sleep, it's all the same. Eight, nine. It is. Yeah. It is the same. Look, we've got a show that that I think is definitely capable of keeping you awake because we're going to put the most interesting MVP debate ever, Aaron Judge versus Shohei Otani, on trial. The trial of the century. We've got two. Theoretically brilliant guests, Mike Petriello of MLB.com and Jake Mintz of Fox Sports and the Cespedes Family Barbecue to serve as lead attorneys. It's going to be epic, epic. But uh, first, Doug, before we get to that, I, I, I just wanted to talk briefly about a really nutty story that I wrote last week in The Athletic, and it's about dirt. It's the inside dirt. On the infield dirt. <laughs> because it turned out that not all dirt and not all infields are the same. So digging into that was a dirty job, but someone had to do it. And that someone was who else? It was me. So I, I know that Ken Rosenthal and our mayor, Tim McMaster, gave a little of this background on Ken's podcast uh, yesterday. But I want to give you the whole story on this. Okay, so MLB announces a bunch of rule changes a week or so ago. And one of them says all infielders now have to stand on the infield dirt as the pitch is thrown. That sounds simple enough, right? Wrong. (laughs) Wrong. I I don't know how uh, baseball got to this. Just like I don't know how I got to be the clearinghouse for goofy stuff like this. But... But this rule gets announced, and like within hours, people in baseball started reaching out to me saying, you realize, right, that not all these infields are laid out the same? And I'd actually just heard about that a few months ago. I won't go into the background of that, but I never thought much about it or cared much about it until now, which made me like everybody else. But then I was listening to Ken's mailbag show a week ago, Somebody actually asked him about this, and he assumed, like most normal humans do, that all infields are the same, except, Doug, all infields 
are definitely not the same. So I reached out back to him to say, believe it or not, <laughs> you got that wrong. And then I started digging into it. Uh, there's a rule on this. Uh, it says that the back edge of the infield dirt mm-hmm. can only extend 95 feet out from the center of the mound. Mm-hmm. Except it turns out uh, that hasn't been true. <laughs> Nobody has measured it anyway until recently. And baseball didn't care until now. So obviously now baseball needs to rigidly enforce this rule because with the shift rules, it's so important. Obviously. Okay, that's not going to happen either. Um, <laughs> the good news is it's going to be enforced for the first time ever. Yeah. But as I looked into this, it turns out they're not going to enforce it to the letter of the law. They're going to permit a foot of leeway both ways to account for, here's the way this was described to me, Doug, groundskeeper error. Mm. Groundskeeper's error. Okay. We know this? Okay. Yeah. So it means that... It, uh, rather than being 95 feet, it can be between 94 and 96 feet deep. And so I mentioned this to a GM for one team, and he said to me, hmm, why do I think if they're going to allow room for error, everyone's going to err on the side of <laughs> deeper? <laughs> yeah, good point. So I wrote this crazy little story. People have reacted to it like I just broke Watergate because it's the most baseball-y thing ever. So, Doug, let me <laughs> ask you two questions. One, were you aware of this? And two, is this just fun and quirky and, and what's the word, baseball-y? Or is it a bigger deal than that? Oh, it's, oh, it's a big deal, man. I love it. I love it. It's fascinating. <laughs> I mean, while I was having this conversation during one of the games, maybe last week, and now I've known forever. I mean, look, I played on turf fields where there's no dirt at all, and all. So I'm like, come on, all these infielders are, are, are infields are different. Their cuts are different. Where yeah, you, but there was a there was a back line <clears throat> right, on the turf. Right. So, so I knew where it was supposed to right, be. Right. So I that's one thing I did assume. I assumed that back line was the same. But I never. Yes. But right. But I never assumed the dirt itself was the same. <laughs> I mean, there's cuts that go this way and that way, and I mean, I I never assumed that. I've always taken leads. I used to lead off of first base, off the cut, but I couldn't do it the same in every ballpark. Some was 10 feet, some was eight feet, some was, so I knew that exactly. the dirt the dirt was never the same. That was obvious to me. But the, yeah, I thought the distance, that line was always the same. So, <laughs> I, you know, so I assume they'll, you know, figure out how to cut it. It's just a, a, you know, gardening, landscaping thing. But yeah, you can't get it exactly perfectly. So now, now keep in mind, like I have always ranted about dirt, okay? I've always ranted about dirt. Now this is actually making me look pretty good and less less insane about it because, <laughs> you know, like the warning track is a perfect example. Like, okay, if you're gonna have a safety feature, right? If you're gonna if you're gonna have standardization, you're gonna have standardization <laughs> because you want the rule, you want the game to be played, you know, same surface, different, you know, in terms of the dirt. If that's the new rule, then you want it the same. But just like warning track is a safety thing. If I'm running and it's supposed to let me know the wall's coming, shouldn't it be standardized? Shouldn't it be the same size? But, you know, Milwaukee, it's like 100 feet. And, like, you know, remember in Arizona, they used to have the strip. They had, like, dirt, grass, and then dirt. I mean, how— In case you got lost. Right. It would would lead you the way. Yeah, like, I mean, what's going on here? So, you know, you could put a moat out there, of course, if you really wanted to make sure people knew they were changing surface. So my point is that, yes, if we're going to standardize things, 
for safety or for rules. Yeah, they got to be the same. Now, I think that the allure of baseball is partly because it's not standardized. You know, a basketball hoop is the same size, you know, all these things, right? The the floor, you have parquet, I guess, in Boston, whatever. But I do think that's important. Now, of course, I've ranted on other dirt, like the running lane, but I won't get started on that. But that being said, yes, this is a, a moment to reconsider what we want to standardize because, yeah, it doesn't make sense if a team has totally different setup as a home team versus another, uh, even though I guess the advantage is neutralized since you're both playing on it. But we want standardization. And now the pressure is on. So here we go. <laughs> here here we go. You, you said something in there where you, you, you said, I believe that you think baseball is going to um, cut, cut the infield and get it standardized now. That, that's not going to happen either because the, the bizarre thing here is that there's no rule at all about the inner edge of the infield dirt. It can be anywhere. It can be any size, and it literally is. Uh, the dirt cutouts around the bases that you just referred to, they're, they're basically, they're just works of groundskeeper art. We should have like a, a an ex- exhibition at the Met. So that that's because the groundskeepers are apparently creating groundkeeper art in every park every right. night. Which I so appreciate. No, I appreciate yeah. that. But there's no rule on that either. So wait, when so, you, what, so when they have to stand on the dirt, right? It's not they like can they stand in the grass, like on in, the infield grass, right? Infield in, you, they can. You stand. can play as shallow as you want. Well, you can't play as you can play as deep, right? So, uh, no, so the cut, yeah. So the cut doesn't matter that much, really, because you can play the, on the infield grass anywhere you want. You know, I guess in theory, but yeah, you know, ball I mean, will travel differently on that. It's got a better chance to bounce funny. Yeah, the more dirt there is. So, I don't know. All I all I know is. Doug, I've just revealed baseball's dirty little secret. You have. And Excellent I'm, work. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm honored that I could be the one to tell that dirty little story. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what I just said? <laughs> A lot of dirt uh, okay, going on here. Throwing dirt yeah, everywhere. The dirt. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> it's, it's, it's time to move on to a thing that is definitely not about dirt and not a secret. And that is the AL MVP debate. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you get injured, you don't want to wait for answers and options. That's why it may be time to explore the Nano Experience, a revolutionary treatment option designed to help active people get back to the lifestyles they love. Nanotechnology allows surgeons to see inside even the smallest joints and treat orthopedic conditions with a tiny camera and other nano instrumentation, all through a barely there poke hole incision. Wherever you've experienced an injury, whether it be a foot and ankle, hand and wrist, shoulder and elbow, knee or hip, Nanoarthroscopy can be used to diagnose and treat your condition in an extremely, minimally invasive way. Don't wait to learn about the revolutionary nano experience and how it could help you or someone you know after an injury. Visit arthrex.info slash the athletic. This is not medical advice and is not meant to be a substitute for advice from your physician. Talk with your physician about your health condition, potential surgical risks, and whether Arthrex products are right for you. Postoperative management is patient-specific and dependent upon your physician's assessment. 
Individual results will vary. Okay, Doug, let's do this. All rise, but not for Aaron Judge, for the trial of Aaron Judge versus Shohei Otani, because the Supreme Court of Starkville is now in session. I believe for the first time since the Field of Dreams trial debacle. <laughs> We're not going to go there, though. So That was a great trial. <laughs> it was not a great trial. So all rise for the Honorable Justice Doug Glanville. And also, I'm here. Okay, so now here is why we opened up this courtroom. Uh, all I keep reading and hearing is one debate after another about why Aaron Judge has to be the AL MVP or why Shohei Otani is clearly the AL MVP. And I thought, maybe we can settle this once and for all. Let's have ourselves the Starkville trial of the century. As we mentioned, there's not much competition for that honor, but we're, we're going to now bring in two brilliant attorneys uh, who have never actually spent one day in law school, <laughs> but we're going to make let them make the case for each guy. Doug, what could possibly go wrong? Just everything, but that's that's exactly the point. <laughs> that, that is the point. All right, so now let's welcome in the esteemed representatives whom we've engaged, mostly because they've agreed to waive their usual billable hours, uh, representing Shohei Otani. It's the brilliant Mike Petriello of MLB.com. Mike, welcome to the Starkville Courthouse. I'm really happy to be here, and I'm I'm kind of pleased. I feel like, I know this is going to sound weird, I get the easier part of this. I get to argue in favor of Shohei Otani. I almost feel bad for my opposing counsel here. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. No goading the opposing counsel. Yeah, is there an okay? objection in there? I don't know how that works, but I sustain it, whatever it is. <laughs> okay, settle down out there, because now representing Aaron Judge, it's the brilliant Jake Mintz of Fox Sports and Cespedes family barbecue fame. Jake, welcome. Uh, what time will be will the barbecue be served? Uh, well, let me just say this, your honors. <laughs> I, in all my years of attorneying, I have never felt more confident heading into a case than I do today. <laughs> you know, we can tell that Jake is confident because nobody can see this out there, but in our Zoom room, Jake is dressed in jacket and tie his typical courtroom attire. Am I right? I was told this was a courthouse. Uh, and so I dressed accordingly. I think it is embarrassing on my counterpart that he, I can see his elbows. <laughs> <laughs> Elbow <laughs> violation sustained. <laughs> Mike, do you have anything to say to your say for yourself? Well, I didn't tell you this, Jake, but I reached out to Russell K. Osgood, the dean of the Washington University School of Law, and he's going to be reviewing everything that you come up with today to make sure it passes muster. <laughs> okay, what's mustard got to do with it? It'll go with the barbecue. All right, look, I'm, I'm sure this is going to turn into a total free-for-all, but we should at least start out in some sort of orderly fashion, by which I mean opening statements. So why don't we start with Mike? Okay, Mike Petriello uh, will approach the bench and offer his opening statement on why Shohei Otani should be the American League most valuable player. Mike? So 
as I said, I feel like I've got the easier assignment here because I get to do something new and interesting. When Jake starts to talk about Aaron Judge, it's going to be kind of a, the same old story. A Yankee outfielder hitting a lot of home runs and breaking <laughs> records? That's like 100 years old. We saw the sequel like 60 years ago. He's not even the only guy in his own team who's had a 59 home run season. That That's it's boring. It's unoriginal. Uh, the script writers need to go back. Meanwhile, I get Shohei Otani, who, if you think about what he did last year, how many billions of words we all spilled on what he did last year, he says he's having a better year this year. Do you know he has the highest strikeout rate of any pitcher? He is not going to win the Cy Young, I admit, but he's going to come in top five. And, oh, he's also got 34 home runs while improving his strikeout rate. You can talk all you want about the teams being good, about what numbers, round numbers, judge will break. We cannot be bored by what Otani has done. He is as good as he was last year, if not better, when, need I remind you, he won the MVP unanimously, and he is not worse. <laughs> That's very impressive. I told you Mike would be brilliant, Doug. Um, all right, let, let, let's have the opening statement for why, <clears throat> for why Aaron Judge should be the MVP from Jake Mintz. Jake, please approach the bench and begin talking. Thank you for having me. There is more. Uh, <clears throat> there is no more elegant, more fundamental, or more aesthetically pleasing feat in all of sports than the home run. It is the true essence of baseball, the whole damn point, the be-all and the end-all. A scroll through the MLB at-bat app proves just as much. Take a look at those feature highlights and tell me how many of those are singles. Chicks aren't the only ones who dig the long ball. The love for the tater is universal. And nobody in the history of what I will call real baseball has been better at the most important, most notable, most impactful, and most appreciated thing than Aaron Judge in this, the year of our Lord, 2022. And for that, Mr. Judge is the deserving winner of the American League MVP award. But let me be clear, I am not here to bash, burn, or otherwise denigrate Mr. Otani, a man who has made miraculous sporting accomplishments in his own right. What the Angels two-way dynamo has done this season deserves a mountain of plaudits. May someone please rescue him from that Orange County catastrophe <laughs> and get him on a real baseball team yesterday. <laughs> but remember that an argument for Aaron Judge does not need to be an argument against Shohei Otani. The opposite is also the case, as I urge for my opponent, Mr. Petriello. Judge's performance goes above and beyond what even Shohei Otani has been able to do this season. A mistake to Aaron Judge right now is an automatic home run. His 59 blasts as of this moment, he leads Kyle Schwarber, the second-placed hitter, by 20 home runs. 20 home runs. That would be the fifth-largest gap between the leader and the second-placed hitter in all of baseball history. The only people with a bigger gap, Barry, uh, Babe Ruth, uh, Babe Ruth, Babe Ruth, and Babe Ruth. Uh, that <laughs> basically means that Aaron Judge has the largest gap in baseball history, as far as I am concerned, because Babe Ruth was the first person who went, oh, Maybe I'll hit the ball hard and in the air. The numbers, they speak for themselves, but I'll say them again because numbers actually don't speak because they're not people. Uh, Judge is currently slashing 316, 419, 701. That is a 1120 OPS and a 213 OPS plus. Only four human beings ever have had a higher OPS plus in a season since integration. Williams, Mantle, Bonds. We have literally never seen this level of offensive dominance since Barry Bonds. And my last point before I hand things back over to the bench, <laughs> the circumstances here matter. Otani should not be penalized for the fact that his team stinks. 
Yes, but Judge should be rewarded for what he has done within the context of this season. Without him, the Yankees might have suffered the single most embarrassing collapse in baseball history. This was a lineup held together with string and with tempered chocolate and tissue paper and air. And he single-handedly put them on his back and carried them to the division title, assuming that everything goes right in the last couple of weeks. And all of that with the free agency stuff hanging over his head. So my dear companions of the baseball thing space, I urge you today not to chip away at the candidacy of Shohei Otani. Do not resort to picking nits in the arguments of my opponent, but let's rather examine and celebrate the all-time outrageously impressive season put together by the man who me, you, and Mr. Magoo know is the deserving 2022 MVP, and that is Aaron Judge. Thank you for your time. Powerful stuff, man. Well, Mr. Magoo, stuff. Mr. Magoo, order in the court. I don't think Magoo was on the witness list, but we can we can add him. <laughs> no, Magoo is a BBWA voter. I believe he's Cincinnati chapter. Yeah. <laughs> All right, order, order in the court. Uh, before we go on, I, I just wanted to ask um, my fellow justice, yes. Justice Glanville. Yes. Were you aware that home runs were the be all and the end all? And if so, how did you play nine years in the big leagues? That's a good question. I, I didn't want to bring my own experience to, to bias the court. So I am open-minded to know the home run is king. I do accept that on a certain level from an entertainment value. Uh, but yes, I am open-minded to hearing about the home run in greater detail. Uh, but uh, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't really part of my game. I, had, I, I, had a, I led the team in May one year in 2001, uh, and I was leading the National League in home runs uh, after the first day of the season and that same year with one and they all somehow they caught me so unfortunately i did not end on top <laughs> yeah well this home run knowledge that you're about to gain it would have come in really handy 25 years ago but we're gonna have to move on all right and as we move on i don't know where the hell we should go from here to be honest so since we forgot to recruit witnesses outside of that mr magoo guy i, I think doug and i should question the attorneys and why don't we do it this way? Uh, I'll, I'll ask a question to Mike, then you can ask a question to Jake, Doug, then we'll alternate. It, it sounds like an orderly courtroom kind of plan, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, they call it, isn't it in bank? It's in bank, right? When you bring multiple judges. Uh, usually there's an odd number <laughs> of judges, so there is a tiebreaker problem here. So wow. uh, I, I think at some point we might have to throw to the court of the Twitter poll. Uh, that's that's how I was uh, rescued from the egregious attempt to have me removed from Starkville uh, with glorious fan support. But uh, yeah, the public domain is 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 important in this. So I will I will heed their warning. Kind of like American Idol, uh, they can text me, and we can go from there in in real time. <laughs> I, I, you lost me somewhere in there, but that that doesn't matter now because we're going to get into the meat of this debate. Uh, I'm going to start with me questioning Mike. Um, Mike, your argument was compelling, eloquent, brilliant, but you realize Aaron Judge is going to win this thing unanimously, right? Like, I love Otani. I'm obsessed with Otani. But we have never lived on a planet where any player had Aaron Judge's year with the home run history, the 213 OPS plus, first place team, and that team is the Yankees, which, as Jake mentioned, would probably be in the midst of a historic collapse 
without him. And that guy did not win the MVP. Uh, I actually looked at this. The only even remotely close example would be Mickey Mantle in 1961, only because his own teammate, that Roger Maris guy, out-historied him. So what would you tell people like me who basically just say, come on, man, it's a bad history and narrative here, no matter how great Otani may be? Well, I do believe that our in our occasionally great American system of justice, that even the most condemned man deserves a strong and vigorous defense, <laughs> no matter what the lawyer himself actually believes. <laughs> huzzah, huzzah! <laughs> We're to going your with point, that. <laughs> nope, I was I'm starting. To your point, Jason, you said the word history a bunch of times there. And yes, you can talk about all the history Aaron Judge is making, but if we're going with historical significance, not only did Shohei Otani do this amazing thing last year, he's the first one to do it twice. Every time I hear someone talk about Babe Ruth, whether it's in the context of a two-way player or the home run record, I, uh, I think of a line from um, our friend James Smythe, who is a researcher from the Yes Network, who has said he was probably hitting against emaciated coal miners, which hardly <laughs> puts it into the Whoa. context of today's game. It's 100% true. It was non-integrated, barely athletic players who have no relevance in today's game. I want to I point you to this, right? When you think about <laughs> trying to combine the two halves of Shohei Otani, right? The Otani, the pitcher, Otani, the hitter. Uh, I did a little math, which will totally surprise you. And if you look at what's happened this year, you take Otani's plate appearances. So he's been up 600 times, which is pretty much what Kyle Schwarber has done, except Schwarber gets to go sit on the bench and Otani has to go pitch, right? 600 times. He's had almost 600 batters faced as a pitcher, 593, a couple of fielding chances. You add all that up, it's over 1,200 opportunities. Uh, Aaron Judge, about three quarters as much, and it's probably even less than that because if you look at all his fielding chances, I'm guessing about 80% of them were cans of corn that... Well, I wouldn't say anybody here because Doug's actually like a real outfielder, but like me and Jason and Jake could probably actually get to. So when we're talking about durability, when we're talking about how many times are you actually impacting the game, Otani is way beyond that. If we're talking about historical significance, I will stipulate that 60 home runs is pretty cool, but you know what? It's not going to be a major league record. It's not going to come close really because 73, like it or not, is the major league record. So Otani is doing something we've never seen before. He's doing it twice. Judge is doing something super cool but nothing we've never seen before. There's a big difference there. Jake is squirming to the point where I think we should already blow up the, uh, the order in which we thought we were going to do this and let Jake respond to the court. I mean, I think Mike made a, a, a avalanche of phenomenal points. I oh, think he he's right. So, yeah, 73 is the record. And I think what Otani is doing is a remarkable achievement. But I think that within the context of the league as it is right now, that home runs are down, right, compared to where they were a number of years ago. Judge is so far and beyond what anyone else is doing in a way that is comparative to Otani, right? Like, yes, he's not pitching. Duh. He he pitched once in... Uh, the Alaskan Summer League in 2011, and it did not go well. He uh, walked three guys <laughs> and allowed a run. All right. So, gavel, 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 gavel. The Alaskan Summer League, not relevant to this discussion. Just saying. The court has I, ruled. I have no rebuttal to what Mr. Petriello just said. I think he made a lot of really good points. But the idea that we have never seen, like, what Judge is doing is singular within the context of the environment. 
right? He might not have the most home runs in a season ever. And the record, I as I agree with him, is 73. But everyone was hitting home runs at that time. The, even the emaciated coal miners were hitting 35 <laughs> a year, okay, in 2001. And so because of that, ju- what Judge is doing is even more impressive. Wait, wait, can I mention that one of those emaciated coal miners was Walter Johnson? Uh, 2001 okay. that was a 1920 joke what are you talking <laughs> okay, you've lost me anyway are, are we are we gonna wait are we gonna permit mike to speak at some point yeah. doug has to well, speak yeah I, I do have a, a broad question for both uh attorneys here uh so i'll start with you mike on this one <laughs> so the question i it, this is a, a key part of it uh, how do you define value and then within that how do you define most valuable? Because that that's the the cornerstone of often debates with you know pitchers and kind of pitcher win all these things. So I think I want to just understand your basis of it. Like how do you define value? So I think one thing that we could all agree on here, including my opposing counsel, is that regardless of whether he wins the MVP, Otani is having an incredibly historic season. The kind of thing we'll talk about for decades. One of his teammates is maybe the greatest player who ever lived. And he's gone on an incredible home run tear in Mike Trout. And the Angels still stink. And and they stink every single year. They have maybe the two best players. I don't want to say in baseball history, but they're kind of getting into that conversation. And they have seven straight losing years. And if that has taught me anything, it's that baseball is not an individual game. There is not one player who can make a team win or even make a team good. This is not basketball. It just doesn't work like that. And so that's why I kind of throw the team's win-loss record out the window because if these guys, if Trout and Otani can't get their team to win, then it tells you a lot about what you need. And that's 26 to 45 different players who can help you win. So when I look at value, uh, I wouldn't say it's specifically just I'm looking at wins above replacement, but something along those lines. Who does the most to help their team win? Now, whether everybody else pulls their weight sort of out of their hands. There's literally nothing more that Otani could be doing that he is not doing. It is impossible for him to play more, to do more. He is doing everything that could be expected and more than anybody else has done in a season ever. All right, Jake, uh, I'm going to throw that to you. Uh, defining value, since that's the cornerstone of you know, why you're supporting this candidate, what, what is value to you? I want to be very clear about something, and that is if you go on the BBWA website, and you look at what voters are sent. I have never voted, uh, but I have Google, and it says the following. (laughs) Dear voter, there is no clear-cut definition of what most valuable means. It is up to the individual voter to decide who the most valuable player in each league to his team. I think that is hilariously (laughs) And to me, it makes it so that I don't really think about it as most valuable. I throw out the war. If I believed in like ranking war and like picking the top guy, I would win this argument, right? Like that's an easy one for me to choose. I'm going to dismiss that as Mike eloquently wrote recently at MLB.com. War undervalues some parts of which Shohei Otani does. And it's just, we don't, we war is very good, but it is not everything. And we cannot simply pick the top dog. For me, the way that I think about MVP is who was the story of the year? Who had the best season? Who was most impressive? Most valuable leads us into these like awful semantic debates about value. Not to uh, bash your question, Doug, but I I find it very cyclical and reductive. And I would rather just be like, who is better? 
You know what I mean? Because I think the word <laughs> valuable just kind of complicates the process unnecessarily. Um, even though within the context of this argument, right, like judge to his team was immensely valuable because otherwise it wouldn't have been on the playoffs. But taking that away from Otani is not fair to me. Yeah, I'm going to, uh, so I'm going to ask the court to rename the award the Mo Betta Award. Mo Betta after <laughs> Denzel Washington's yeah. movie, Mo Better Blues. <laughs> So we can just call it the more better award player, more better player. I like that though. I like I like where you're going. I I, I appreciate that. So thank you for your your candor. Um, thank you for always being Mo Betta. All right, Justice Glanville, uh, may I have the floor? Uh, as a member of the BBWIA, I hold Jake in contempt of court for actually going <laughs> onto the BBWA site and reading stuff that's on there. <laughs> Don't do that again. I, uh, hey, if one more person goes on here, the website will crash. So just be careful. <laughs> okay. I, I'm not at liberty to speak further about the BBWIA site. Uh, let me ask, Jake, I want to ask you a question. Um, just wrote a great column on foxsports.com about... Um, how great Judge has been when his team needed him and how we haven't gotten to see Otani in that setting. So it's hard to compare them. And yet, like we obviously haven't gotten to see Judge try to pitch through seven shutout innings while pitching against a playoff team, which he did over the weekend against the Mariners, of course, and account for all the runs his team scored in that game, which it won. So... I wonder how you think Judge or anybody really is supposed to compete against uh, such a unique character in the history of sports. I, I honestly don't think that we can com comprehend how that literally nobody has done what Shohei is doing in the history of any sport. And so uh, to, to Mike's point, what could possibly be more valuable than that? This, <laughs> this is Jason. Because you year, said so. No, I'm gonna ex elaborate slightly. Oh, but like last year, Vlad Guerrero Jr. had just like a regular MVP season, right? Like a, a season that without Shohei Otani would win MVP most years, and deservedly, Otani won and Guerrero lost. And I would say that in any normal season where we have like a normal level MVP candidate. Otani deserves to win with the season that he put up this year and last year. Like Yelich in when Yelich won or when Bellinger won or when like Altuve won. All of those years pale in comparison to Otani. But what Judge is doing right now goes above and beyond what that was, right? I would say that you have like, this is the same way that you would think about Hall of Famers, right? Like there are Hall of Famers and then there's like Hall of Famers, right? There's like Willie Mays and then there's like, you know, like red showed nice or whatever. Right? Shane Deanst? Red <laughs> Shane Deanst. Thank you. Thank you. You have to remember, I'm 27. I didn't watch him play like you guys did. Hold it now. Sustain. I'm going to throw it out there. Okay. Okay. But my point is that MVP years are, are similar, right? Like when Trout has like a 10 and a half win season, that's a different level of MVP than like, you know, the year I'm trying to, like with Justin Morneau won. Right. And they're not all created equal. And my point is that in a normal season, Otani should always win if he does what he's doing. This is not a normal season. Judge has gone above and beyond. Okay. So, all right. I, I hear where we're going on this. So, all right. 
I want to hear maybe from both of you on this one. The when you're talking about you're trying to compare apples to apples, right? That's that's the challenge. And you have a guy that basically is his own fruit, and that is Shohei Otani, right? I mean, I don't know what you call him, right? So how do you really compare is is the question. And and the example I want to give you is the challenge we have when pitchers become most valuable players. Uh, that's always this unique circumstance. And do you think it's because they're, you know, actually, I won't even give you the answer. I'm going to let you run with it where you want to go. But you think about pitchers being most valuable players. Is, is Are we looking at the same kind of scenario or circumstance when we take make that sort of exception to the rule as we're looking at Judge versus Otani? And I'm curious your thoughts on that. So I'll start with you, Mike. Well, Otani's not a pitcher. I guess that's the first place I'd start. Let, let's uh, think about it this way. We can probably all agree that Shane McClanahan of the Rays is an extremely good starting pitcher, right? Well, his ERA plus is just about exactly the same as Otani's, his sixth best, and he has faced almost exactly the amount of, of batters that Otani has, right? So you can compare those two as pitchers just about identically. And the reason that McClanahan is not in the MVP conversation is because he hasn't also hit 34 home runs. <laughs> He's, if Shane McClanahan started hitting like he was, I don't know, Jose Ramirez, we'd all be losing our minds, but he's not, and he doesn't because only Otani can do this. So that's why I, I think it's a good question, but I can't look at Otani as a pitcher in the MVP race because he's not a pitcher. He's a magical unicorn doing something that we've never seen before, not even Babe Ruth. Yeah, and and so, Jake, with that, uh, the idea that we have, we, you know, I've always seen as pitchers winning MVP is kind of an exception. And, you know, the yeah. Pedro Martinez or, you know, people who did things that are off the charts, but that's in their one, their one dimension that they address. So how do you, do you see the sort of exceptional season? Because I hear this a lot, right? MVP, well, the exceptional season has to be push it to the next level, Joe Morgan or something, where you're so much better than everyone else. So how, do you see any parallels and, and what parallels do you make uh, that you think would be relevant to your case? I keep going back to the above and beyond lingo for me. When a pitcher wins, it's because they go above and beyond just being the Cy Young, right? Kershaw in 2014 was so far above everyone else. 1770 RA, 0.857 whip. Wins and losses are dumb, but like the guy was 27 and three. You know what I mean? Like that helps. Um, and so in that season, right, he was so much better than any other person in baseball that he deserved it. And I would say that like for Otani, like I said before, any other season, that's all he has to do, right? He just has to do this. But for Judge has been so much better, like than every other offensive player in the American League. And it's like, go look at who you think should be third in the American League MVP, right? It's like Trout. Jose Ramirez, Andres Jimenez. You're not. Right? That's you're not. Right. That's like the next level of guy. Which have they've had Gracie's? Not even close to judge. And he has gotten better over the course of the season as well. That is another thing I think I, I forgot to bring up earlier, right? His OPS plus in the second half is better than his OPS plus in the first half, which is just obscene. Um, you know, you know, I want to pick up on something that Mike said a minute ago and ask you this, Jake. Um I mentioned earlier, <laughs> we've literally never lived in a world where a guy having Aaron Judge's season was not the MVP. But to Mike's point, I, I started thinking about this last year. 
if Otani could win the MVP unanimously last year, doesn't that mean that he really should win it every year on which he's great at both things? Because literally nobody else in the sport can compete with what he does, including Aaron Judge in a year like this. So what's your answer to that from his lead attorney? What could Judge do to possibly this, top. This, I said this, this, he did this. He did this. I agree with your point. I said this. Otani, regular Otani, and I really want to harp on regular because that's not fair because he's not regular. But like last two years, Otani deserves to win this award every year that he walks out of bed and he does this. Thank except you. for when a guy, except for when a guy puts up a 213 OPS plus and hits 63 home runs or whatever he's going to end up with that's different so like when you say what is the bar like we're seeing the bar and i think every time you turn on a yankees game and you see aaron judge do something spectacular you can feel that that's the right decision like it he's the mvp he moves like the mvp he smells like the MVP. <laughs> i know that this i know that this maybe is betraying mike and his precious numbers as i take a sip of water from my fangrass mug <laughs> Overruled, <laughs> but but that's the that's the way it is. <coughs> he smells like the MVP, brother. I'm sorry. Well, you know, at this point, well, I I the think test. we should. That's good. I, we're not we're not going to talk about what Aaron Judge smells like right now. <laughs> we're going to let these two guys go at each other, and Doug, we're going to just sit back and enjoy the show. So, Mike, I can tell you want to yell at Jake. <laughs> I think you should yell at Jake. Then you guys can yell at each other. We'll tell I'll you when start. to stop. Yeah. I'm no, starting. no, no, I'm, I'm starting. I'm starting. No, I've got two. no, no, I'm you are starting. not starting. You are not starting. I, I have... The court recognizes Mr. Petriello. <laughs> Thank you. I have two questions for you. Love and and I guess maybe a brief <laughs> statement. Same. I think you just you just argued that MVP is the most vibes player is what I think you just did <laughs> yeah, over did. there. No, yeah, the dude. smelliest is what he said. Yeah. So I have two questions for you, Jake. Uh, the first one is actually a two-part question. Would you agree that when the Yankees were off to a historically great start that Aaron Judge was a big part of that, a huge reason for that. Huge reason. Great. Would you also agree that as the Yankees have fallen apart in the second half, you might notice they have fewer wins in the second half and a worse record than the Angels did, that Aaron Judge has actually improved his play? Yeah. Okay, thank you for admitting to me that his performance has little to do with the team's overall record. I'm, I'm happy that you could help me out with that. Here's the second question, and I'm going to break the first rule of lawyering here, which is to ask a question you don't know the answer to. Can you name two Angels relievers? <laughs> Jose Quijada. <laughs> wow. That's your That's first not, one? Not the That's one the I thought you'd say. It's the first one you named? <laughs> Jose Quijada. Ty Buttry retired. Uh, they traded Rysel Iglesias away. Uh, Austin Warren is the other one. No. Oh, Austin Warren. Uh, I guess he's hurt. <laughs> Austin Warren was the other guy you came up with. Austin not, Warren was their closer I, at the not, beginning of the year. Not Aaron Loop or Ryan Tapera <laughs> or Jimmy. The point is they're terrible, right? If they had, no, I know. Like I just named like the sixth and like twelfth reliever on the Angels. Yeah. Well, af after you already stipulated to me that Aaron Judge's performance has little to nothing to do with the team's win loss record. Now um, what I said. Yeah. No, that's that. <laughs> Lawyers speak. That's definitely what happened there. It's in the record. Mm -hmm. If we had a stenographer, they would definitely read it back. It's, it, it's, it's pretty, yeah, now you can see like you can't, you, an enormous baseball fan, someone who probably talks to more players than maybe everybody else 
And this uh, lawyer, this courtroom combined, cannot even really name any of the guys in that bullpen. And we're going to talk about team record when the Yankees had Michael King and Chad Green and now they have Clay Holmes? No, absolutely not. I stand by my my premise before. There is literally nothing, not one single thing more that Joey Otani could do to help his team win. I guess, I don't know, relief for himself. That seems <laughs> unlikely. He could pitch to himself. That would be fun. Uh, okay. Yep. Can I respond? Yeah, yeah. May I? Uh, the court uh, recognizes Mr. Mintz. Excellent. Michael. Bailiff. Okay. No, Michael. Bailiff. I, what's your middle name? I believe it is Trout. Michael Trout Petriello. It is now. Are you familiar with something called Weighted Runs Created? Uh, yeah, vaguely familiar with it. I don't have a Fangraphs <laughs> cup, but yes. Okay. Yeah, I'm just built different. So I'll talk in a language you can understand, which is Weighted Runs Created. The idea for those of you uninitiated is that Hitters create runs by the things they do. Walks, singles, homers, et cetera, et cetera. It's essentially like RBI for the elevated person uh, in some, you know, oversimplified way. There is a stretch of time between August 1st and September 3rd in which Aaron Judge was worth like 36% of the WRC on the Yankees. He created 36% of the team's runs over a month, over an entire month. That is absolutely jaw-dropping and inconceivable. And if you go into baseball history over the course of a season and you look at the percentage of weighted runs created by a single player for all playoff teams ever, right? The idea of trying to quantify, get on my back, we're going to October, losers, right? Judge is seventh all time amongst highest percentage of weighted runs created for a playoff team behind bonds mantle pujols mantle again somehow luis gonzalez 2001 and carl yastrzemski's 1967 triple crown season and so like you talk about baseball as a team sport it is not basketball you cannot play hero ball and drag a team to glory but judge has basically done that the seventh most of anyone ever Right. Players, individual players still matter. It's like you have to have stars or else you end up like the angels or no, that's a bad example. Sorry. <laughs> you end up. That's the worst example ever. Oh, my God. It's a terrible example. Oh, no. I, I Take a sip from the fan grass. Oh, mug. Regroup. Uh, sorry. Sorry. I, I'm, I'm very you sorry. We up, don't have a that we don't have a course tonight for now. One. You, you end up you end up like the brewers. You end up like the brewers. They might make it. That's a that's a bad example. That's not a good one either. You can do better than this. What are you talking about? The 2022 Brewers are a great example of just not having a single superstar. You had Oakland right there, man. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Oakland raised sometimes. Anyway, you get my point. My point is that he has been like the most LeBron James-y early Cleveland Cavaliers teams that like a baseball player could be. That's fun. Uh, Are they going back and forth? Are we throwing a question in there? (laughs) I I mean, I, I, I didn't think you guys were through yelling at each other, but we can step in here. I have a question from, I have a question from Mike, actually. Mike, you say that this season from judge cannot be what Otani is doing. What could. If Aaron judge was doing what he's doing, because I will, I will give you, he's a better hitter than Shohei Otani. I don't think that's much of an argument. Wow. You are so brave. And also, let's say if maybe he was pitching 
Because if you you just got into weighted runs created, and I think you just argued that Judge was the most valuable player of August, which golf clap, I guess. Uh, <laughs> if you want to get into the building blocks here, uh, MVA baby, sure, most vibes of August. I got it. Uh, if you go look at fan graphs, you can see that Shohei Otani is worth uh, 43 runs above replacement, which is like a building block of four as a pitcher. Um, I don't need to look it up to know that Judge is worth zero because he does not pitch because sluggers don't pitch unless they're Shohei Otani. Are you saying to me that there is nothing an offensive player can do to surpass Otani in a given year? While I'm serving as his attorney, yes. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I do have a question as a result of that. Or do we have time, uh, Chief number sure, two? Sure, go right well, ahead. It, it's we like, need to wrap this up at some point. Yeah, the jury's got to go to lunch. Okay, yeah, so just the quick question. I guess it's global, so this won't be necessarily contentious. But given what Mike just said and the idea of someone who is truly unique, I mean, transformational. And, and I think it would be interesting to look at history of other sports to see what happens. You know, Bob Gibson, they lower mounds and... Wilt Chamberlain, they make a key or whatever, things like that. Are we in a moment in baseball where we do have to rethink, you know, our awards, our values? Are, are we already doing that? Like, this might be a moment to rethink. Does Ota- For example, does Otani need his own category? Does, you know, I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there because eventually, you know, Gold Glove Awards, there's like team Gold Glove Awards, right? So are we at the moment where this is this could be unresolvable because someone is so incredibly transformational that we need to think of this differently. So I'm just throwing that out there to the, to the crew. I don't, I don't think so. When Barry Bonds broke baseball in the early two thousands, we didn't change anything. Right. Well, we put, we, we put steroid we testing kept, in. And I like mean, that. we put steroid testing in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but we didn't change, anything change. About, we didn't change anything about the awards. Right. Like we didn't say, Oh, we need to give to like a non bonds winner. Right. And I think that, Otani is a baseball player. He's a baseball player. And he is, in most years, the most valuable version of that. And I think giving him his own thing doesn't really make sense. It doesn't have a lot of value and meaning because, like, who is he beating out? Like, Jake Cronenworth and Mason Wynn? Like, Cardinals? Like, there's not, there's no competition for this award for Otani. And so I think creating, like, a Otani was around ribbon for him doesn't really capture what he is. So I would say that any year where he deserves it, he should get it. And I think that any talk about reshaping the award system for him isn't really worth doing. Uh, I, I should point out that Glanville has invented a word for what Otani does. Yes. And it's Otonic, yes. if I recall. Yes, right? it is. <laughs> okay. So he gets it a word that's way better than award. <laughs> So we're just gonna we're just gonna leave it at that. Look, this has been fun, but uh, it's time for closing arguments. You know, we need to wrap this thing up somehow. But uh, here's that fun little wrinkle that the Starkville Supreme Court allows. Uh, not that any other court would ever allow it. Anyone can interrupt the closing argument <laughs> for any reason. Um, I mean, ordering lunch wouldn't be a great reason, I have to admit. But basically, any reason. So. Jake, I feel like you have the easier case here. So please stand and address the court and give us your closing argument for why Aaron Judge is the MVP. What do we want future generations to remember? Sit with that question. Let it simmer, Mm -hmm. my friends. What do we want future generations to remember? 
Because that really is the question, is it not? When we, the gatekeepers of baseball present, debate, deliberate, and ultimately vote on the MVP, we are selecting which season most deserves to be held aloft for future ball appreciators to cherish and celebrate above all others. In his 1961 record-setting campaign, Roger Maris won the AL MVP by a hair, despite ranking fifth in war in the American League behind Mickey Mantle, Norm Cash, Al Kaline, and Rocky Colavito. In retrospect, I would still say the voters got it right. That season, that year of hardball belonged to Roger Maris. It was his. He was the story. The statistical truth is not always the capital T truth. Sometimes the narrative is powerful enough. And in this case, both things are true. Along those same lines, Judge's dominance deserves the MVP. He has earned that shiny trophy on the mantelpiece, that little note at the top of the baseball reference page. Assuming he reaches and surpasses Maris's mark to break the AL home run record, he has earned that hardware. By no fault of Shohei Otani's, Judge is the story of the 2022 season. What do we want future generations to remember? When the future generations of ball fans open up a browser on the computer chip and plant it in their brains, I hope that they see Aaron Judge's name next to the 2022 MVP. Thank you. I rest my case. Yeah, I think that as we're grasping for ways to handle this moment in time, looking back to see what BBWAA voters thought was right 60 years ago is always the way to go. And so my- always, <laughs> always, you know me, I love the past. <laughs> yeah, you're all about the past. Red show and dice. Was your inspiration for that last set of remarks? Uh, all right, Mike, uh, why don't you now stand, come forward and address the court if that's possible on Zoom. Uh, what's your closing argument for why Shohei Otani is the MVP? We've been talking a lot about value and what value means. And so I, I end with a question for both of our honorable judges and the jury, really everybody except for Jake Mintz, who is not only defending Aaron Judge, but I believe is sitting about three quarters of a mile from Yankee Stadium right now <laughs> and is hopefully in the tank for all pinstriped baseball players. Forget the home run record, forget wins above replacement, forget everything that has happened, and think about what's going to happen over the next couple of weeks. We are not far away from the playoffs. And yes, I know the Yankees will be there, and the Angels will not, and that's fine. But if you were starting a team to go into the playoffs for a three-game series, five-game series, a seven-game series, for one round or for a couple of rounds, which one of these two players would you pick? Would you pick the power-hitting outfielder who's going to finish like seventh on the all-time home run list? Or would you pick the number one starter who can also crush home runs while he's pitching and then he's not pitching? Would you like the ace pitcher who can hit like Jose Ramirez? Or would you pick the outfielder? And I say, if we're talking about value, what's more valuable than who's going to help you win that World Series title? Because I know who I would pick every single day of the week. It's the guy I can put on the mound and also pencil in at number two in my lineup. I rest my case with that. Gentlemen. I want to thank you both for your fine work in this case. I, I believe Excellent. it's now time for the justices of the Starkville Supreme Court to deliberate. Doug, how does that work? Well, you know, I, um, I say we give it to the people. <clears throat> that, that's, you know, because um, when we have an no. even number of judges, that's disaster. <laughs> uh, we know how that's gone down before. So 
we need to we need to expand the Supreme Court. Yeah, it's, you know, right. <laughs> <laughs> I've been saying this for years. <laughs> Order, order. Yeah, the Clark cool. is already yeah. something I agree well, we, with. We on. formed the Supreme Court this morning, so that's already a problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let me ask you something here. By expanding to the people, yes. what people do exactly do you have in mind? Well, the, the people that I most engage with that have all the love in their hearts, and that is the Twitterverse. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Twitterverse polling. We we could we could actually pull. Can you pull on Instagram? I don't even know, but wherever you can pull in social media, I think the the, the public needs to hear this these beautifully articulated and argued points, and then we can, oh, yeah. we will factor that, in. That'll definitely. Happen. We will factor in uh, what the, the the people want, and then we could maybe decide something from there. Um, I, I'm very interested in what they would say without me biasing with my strong statements one way or the other. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of what I'm thinking. And this is jury so, tampering. I, there are far more Yankee fans than Angel fans. I, uh, I require a mistrial right away. Uh, well, that's true. We might have to do it like geographically smart. Maybe can we do like a California Twitter poll? <laughs> oh. Oh. Uh, all right, let me get this straight. Hold on. You you choose not to deliver a verdict. Yeah. You choose to put up a Twitter poll. Yeah. That's your ruling. How did you get on this court? Yeah, I, I got appointed by myself, um, and uh, so that's that's usually how it goes down. Uh, yeah, well, do, all hail the Glanville dictator. Do we have a constitution? <laughs> we probably need a constitution. That's part of the problem. <laughs> I, I think we need an outcome that is not, let's do a Twitter poll. So like, I, I didn't think I was going to be the one rendering a verdict here. I have to write a column about this. I was trying to, trying to avoid mm -hmm. rendering an actual verdict, but I, I think I need to, I need to think I need to step in. Uh, let me just say that I love Otani. I've said many times I'm obsessed with Otani, but here's my read. I think there's approximately a 0% chance he's going to win this award. Uh, I've been an MVP voter many times. I have observed MVP voters for much of my life, and I admire Mr. Petriello for the fantastic job that he just did making his case for Otani, who I love. But I think even he knows this is an impossible case to make. Aaron Judge is going to win this thing. It honestly wouldn't shock me if Otani doesn't even get a first place vote. Not that that's his fault. Uh, as I said earlier, we have never lived on a planet where a guy had Aaron Judge's season for the New York freaking Yankees and wasn't the MVP. I, I do not think we're going to start living on that planet this time. So here's what I think. That should be our ruling. Uh, if the Twitter poll wishes to speak, that's fine. Um, if the if, if Mr. Petriello wants to appeal to a higher court, not that there are any in Starkville, <laughs> he may indeed do that. But I believe that the Supreme Court of Starkville has now well, Have you seen my hand? Ruled. Have you seen my hand up there? Right. Uh, yeah, what are you trying to say there? Well, uh, by design, I'd like to, um, what, what do you call a hung jury? I'd like to jam up this court and vote against uh, Starkville, Jason Stark's autonomy, uh, just so that we're tied. And um, because I, yeah, I, 
I know predicting what's going to happen, I think you have great insight as to what's going to happen. But our court of Starkville is supposed to supersede what the future may be in predictions, but aspire to Since achieve when? truth. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Since like two minutes ago. But yeah. I will say this. Yes, it's it's been... I've done a lot of games, uh, Yankee games this year, and uh, it's it's been fun to watch. I mean, Judge has been, uh, you know, you always worried about him being healthy. Well, this is what he can do when he's actually on the field, 162 games or close to it. Uh, it's been really cool to watch, and um, it is next level. When I do research before every game, I go through all these notes, and it's fun to see a player that every category I try to throw at him to find, like, where he's struggling in August – it's there is nothing to find really. I mean, every scenario, seventh inning on, you know, lefties, righties, first half, second half. It, that, it's been it's been great. And you know, guys, Trey, Trey Turner, by the way, has a lot of good numbers like that. But um, but what but I what I love about Otani in a general sense, just speaking for no particular reason, is the awe that he's brought back for me as a player because I think the steroid era stripped away the childhood connection I always wanted to make with the game that I loved. And that is to be awed by someone to actually stand in there and say, this is magical because I'm seeing something I've never seen before. And, and I think the steroid era completely stripped that for me, isn't even as a player, because you're watching it and you're not really believing it. And, and I still think the game is highly damaged because of that, because even when any player that does anything like this, you just the question marks are still there. And that's the fault of all those that made that choice to cut corners and cheat and do all the things they did. And that's the that's the the misfortune we're all facing as fans. And and so for me, Otani, like I said, I'm not arguing to say this is most valuable. What what the value he's brought is not because he's a prolific home run hitter on the Yankees. It's because he's doing something that is that I thought was impossible. Right. And I and I always sit there and try to fathom. I'm stepping in the batter's box and I'm facing Randy Johnson. And that is something that is already mind blowing and otherworldly. But then to think that that Randy Johnson guy can then turn around and hit Randy Johnson with 110 mile an hour balls off the bat. That's just, you know, it's so hard to do on one side of the ball. I always remember Scott Rowland and I was watching Vladimir Guerrero take batting practice one day in Montreal. And this guy's hitting the ball all, all over the stadium. And Scott Rowland says, that guy is so much better than I am, it's ridiculous, right? <laughs> right. So when you have a guy that's that good and still can have awe, you have some sort of magic. And so for you know, so I think for that standpoint, once again, that's not saying give him an award, but I do think every year we should recognize Shohei Itani in some way for what he's doing because you, when you have all-stars reduced to video chatting with Shohei Otani, it tells you all you need to know about what he means to the game. Um, so that being said, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see this vote because I think it's going to be significant. Uh, and I think we should be a hung jury or, or tied. So I think because everybody should, <laughs> should weigh in on this. I think it's important because that's, that's another kind of value that I don't want to get lost. So that's it. I think that's really interesting. Like, I grew up knowing nothing other than the steroid era. Yeah. Like my first baseball memory is from like 2001. And even for me, having kind of fallen in love with the game with that cloud kind of perpetually over the game's head. Yeah. But seeing Judge and Otani kind of chase this magnificence this year has kind of in some ways invigorated and, and like chipped away at my jadedness to a certain extent. Not that I'm a jaded person, but it, it really has been 
like genuinely unbelievable to see. And I think you make a really good point about Otani, like players, when you talk to players, they are in awe, active players that he can physically do this, right? In a way that I don't think is the same with Judge, I will admit. I'd like to uh, just counterbalance one thing that the Honorable Justice Stark said, which is that there's never been a season where a player like Judge has done this and not won MVP. I would argue there's never been a season like this where Tani has done this <laughs> and not won MVP. And when the vote goes against me, as I agree with you that it will, yeah. I will be preparing my appeal to the only higher power in the land, and that's Ken Rosenthal. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I have no idea what just happened here, but I feel like... We just spent an hour deciding pretty much nothing, which is what we do best. Exactly. <laughs> this is Starkville so, at its finest. <laughs> right. So I, I'd like to thank our two lead counsels, uh, Mr. Petriello and Mr. Mintz, for their spectacular and eloquent work today. Uh, boys, you were awesome. Before I dismiss you, would either of you like to address this bogus court? <laughs> this court's bogus, man. <laughs> <laughs> I just said that. I know. That's all I have to say. Uh, Mike, this was a pleasure, uh, as always, to uh, see you and talk baseball with you. Uh, you did an eloquent job of an impossible task. <laughs> I was pleased that's what we're to go to say down with the ship. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, here we go. Um, look, uh, thanks, boys. And um, this was a great moment in Starkville jurisprudence. <laughs> and that's a sentence never before uttered by anyone on the face of this planet. So thanks for your great work. Thanks, guys. Yeah, I really appreciate Thank it. Thank you. <laughs> guys tend to think looking sharp means starchy Oxfords and stiff chinos rather than effortless comfort, but it's possible to have it both ways. I'm all set for summer thanks to Mack Weldon. The Vesper polo shirt is so breathable you can wear it on the golf course, but it looks classy enough to wear to a party. The Maverick Tech Chino short is ultra-flexible, and the Pima Crew Neck T-shirt is perfect for those casual weekends. There's no need to be uncomfortable in your clothing ever again. Some guys just want to look good without calling attention to themselves. Mack Weldon Apparel gives you understated good looks for understated confidence. Mack Weldon clothes are designed to fit your style and the demands of modern life. They look like regular clothes but feel like the latest in modern comfort. They're the go-to choice for guys who want to look great without even trying. Breathable underwear that keeps you cool, dry, and comfy all day. Crazy comfortable but elevated sweatpants. An upgraded classic polo with antimicrobial silver threads. An ultra soft antimicrobial tee for when you need to stay fresh longer. That's the Silver Crew Neck T-shirt. Get timeless looks with modern comfort from Mack Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your first order with promo code MLBSHOW. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com. Promo code MLB Show. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, Doug, now that we've got that settled, or whatever we just did, we have got MVP Trivia. How about that? See what we did there? Mm. MVP Trivia? MVP. There's a a method to our listener trivia badness, after all. Oh, yeah. I love it. I'm ready. So uh, let's welcome in 
this week's special trivia guest star. It's Chris Donald. Chris, welcome to Starkville. Uh, it's your first visit to our special little town, right? Uh, actually, it's the second. I was on last year to talk World Series MVPs. Oh, now it's coming back to me. That's right. Okay, so MVP special. I'm sure that went well. <laughs> All right, uh, Chris, it looks like you're from uh, just outside of Philadelphia. So does that make you a Phillies fan? 30 years long suffering. And uh, right now I've got no fingers nails left. <laughs> Yeah, last week went well for those rampaging <laughs> Phillies. Uh, uh, how'd you come up with this uh, question of yours? I'm just inspired by the chance to visit Starkville. Um, actually, it's it's it, your classic bar conversation. You know, I'm looking at at Aaron Judge having this absolutely amazing season, and there's Otani having yeah. Amazing season, and he's both a pitcher and um, a DH. So it just to me, I said, "Who's done this? That's a pitcher." So that's okay. kind of where I came from. Right, that's a good segue for you to ask your question. What do you got for us? So, um, and I didn't go all the way back, but my question is: since 1980, ignoring Otani, who are the six pitchers? who have won both the MVP and Cy Young in the same season. All right, so you're looking for six answers? Six. Uh, you know, Glanville only wants us to take questions. What's your – you want two, right? That's not your cutoff. Oh, well, if I hit 333, that's Hall of Fame's <laughs> career. So. so, All right, so can we negotiate some lower number than six, some number in the middle where we have to get um, like four of six? Or What do you think? I'll let, well, we can let the mayor decide. If we if we make a valiant right, effort, he may fine. he may rule on it. Well, all right. So, wait. We're, we go for it all. We're going we're gonna, to – wait. We're going to let him decide after the fact, oh yeah, I think we need to let him rule okay, now. Okay, well, let, because let the he'll rule, rule against us. Let, let, He's that kind of mayor. <laughs> so I, I honestly think this is doable. So I can't go below five. I think five, but I think you should give you six five. answers because I think you have a chance. All right, all right. Um, okay. And if you get five all of right. them, uh, I will. I will give you. Okay. All right, all I'm right. good with that. So, so. This is we're looking for pitchers who were both Cy Young and, um, and MVP in the same. since 1980. And obviously, mm. Doug, the fact that Chris picked 1980 is a big clue here because this happened way more back in the 80s than it happens now because pitchers almost never win the MVP now. Um, so we need five of six. I, I know three, I think, off the top of my head. Mm. Roger Clemens, mm -hmm. Justin Verlander for sure. Mm -hmm. Dennis Eckersley, right? He was one. And then so then we need three more, two out of three more. Uh, I feel like Willie Hernandez, Guillermo Hernandez was one, mm -hmm. right? For the uh, Tigers. That was in the 80s, 84 Tigers. Mm -hmm. um, so what are the other two? Clayton Kershaw. Correct. Uh, and uh, Jake in our last segment just drop that hint so yeah, we're gonna, already, we're gonna already we, had we've him, got him i already had him glad to go on a show and argue yeah i had yeah, yeah. i had him on so, too, Kershaw, so definitely um so that's that's five already uh i was thinking eric gagne i'm not sure he won mvp are we missing somebody from back in the day doug i know let's see um no pedro didn't win it 
He didn't. No, he, he lost, didn't. Right? Should have won. Didn't win. Big controversy. The two writers who wouldn't said they would never vote for a pitcher. They lost their vote. Yeah. So, okay. What about Hershiser? Didn't win MVP. Did not. Okay. Nope. What about Fernando Valenzuela? Fernando, no, did not. Mm. Okay. Um, 80s. His team didn't win the World all Series. All right, Steve Bedrosian, he was a Cy Young as a reliever, no. right? No. Um, all right, let me think. I know I was trying to go through these years. Pitcher that won MVP. That's like, you know, I argued against it so much. I should know this. <laughs> um, <laughs> 80s. 83. Okay, wait, what? So, what year is it? Clemens? You're going to go through every year well, now. No, no. What the heck? No, no. Clemens won in 80. <laughs> what year? Six? 86, I believe. Okay, Verlander was like, what? That was kind of recent. Yeah, uh, 2011. 11. Kershaw was like 14. Eckersley was what? I'm just trying to look at the. 92, I think, was Eck. It was in the 90s. Rolades Relief Men. For Raleigh Fingers? Raleigh Fingers is a great guess. Is that it? All right. Yeah, let's put him on the list. There we go. Bruce. All right, Bruce I think Stewart. we've got. No, he didn't. I think we've got this. I think you just you just hit on it. Um, we only need five. We got six really good answers. I think we should go with them. You ready? All right. I'm just thinking of relievers. Okay. Colby, Quisenberry. No, 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 no chance. <laughs> no chance. Uh, okay. Yeah, Raleigh Fingers. I like all right. It. Okay. So, all right. So, Chris, we've got Roger Clemens, Justin Verlander, Dennis Eckersley. Uh, Raleigh Fingers, Willie Hernandez, and Willie Hernandez. I think and Clayton, that's, Clayton, oh, and Kershaw, and Kershaw. Kershaw. I'm sorry, yes. Kershaw. I don't know how many we just guessed. Six. That's it. That was six. Clemens, okay. Verlander, Eckersley, Hernandez, Kershaw, Fingers. That's our six. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. You got them all. Woo! We got them all. We got them all. What? Amazing. We did what? <laughs> That's wow. two in a row. So didn't we get last week's question right? See, we're big in September, man, in playoff. That's we here's wow. the bonus question though. Oh. What team was Raleigh Fingers playing for? Oh, he was with the Brewers. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yep. Definitely Brew Crew. I remember it's all coming uh, back to me. The staff. So we, get, we got so we go for like we go like something like two for twenty one and then we get two in a row. We are ready for October. Am I right, Glanville? I'm telling you, we, we smell October baseball. That's when we kind of step it up. <laughs> September we're we're feeling the judge Otani. We're feeling it. Your judge, I, I I'm Otani. That's fine. We'll do it though. <laughs> I, I think we're still like five and twenty <laughs> since opening day, which is not good. But you know what's always good, Doug? Uh we've reached the portion of the segment where the mayor of Starkville, Tim McMaster, pops in to play another sensational play-by-play clip involving this week's answer. So, Tim, what do you got for us this week? We're going back to 1986 because this is the team that made me a baseball fan, basically, the 86 okay. Boston Red Sox. Uh, it was early in that season, actually, um, that this moment happened. He went coming. on to win the MVP, but he put himself on the map as far as one of the great pitchers of baseball on April 29th. Two and two. And here they come up at Fenway. I'm surprised they're going back down. I would think they would just stay up. Yep. As a matter of fact, I'm going to stand up. A new record. Clemens has set a major league record for strikeouts in a game. 20. 20 punch outs. I think Ned, was, uh, was Ned, Martin, Ned Martin and Monty on the call there. 
Oh, my God. Ned Martin and Bob Montgomery? I think so, yeah. Doing the game? That was the first broadcast wow. team I, uh, I listened to way back when. Wow, 20 whiffs for the Rocket. That's a pretty good night at the office, huh? Yeah, wow. 20. 20. I mean, Kerry Wood, you think of these like, man, I don't know if they'll allow it to happen anymore, right? The, the Mets did it with... Met, Mets got yeah. The Mets struck out twenty, 20. on Sunday, but it only took him four pitches. Right, four pitches. Right. <laughs> Even though Degrom looked like he was he, he was going to get it done in the first twenty one hitters, but at any rate, Chris, excellent question. Uh, I, I appreciate your taking time out of your day to join us. Please come back again, okay? I will. Thanks, Thanks so much for having All me. Right. Take care. Appreciate it. Thank you, Thanks, Chris. Strange but true. Here we go. At this point, you wouldn't think we'd have any strange but true Albert Pujols material left, would you? Oh, yes, we did. <laughs> because over the weekend, you know what Albert did? Why don't we all take a moment to sit back and listen to what Albert Pujols did this time. Albert unloads. Deep left. And this game is tied. 6 What a call by Dan McLaughlin, huh? 698. Mm. He's two away from 700 with two weeks to go. Dougie's going to get there, right? I mean, I know he had some prediction, but I I thought he would just kind of pass A-Rod and then kind of get it at the end. But wow, I mean, I feel like he's going to will himself, right? (laughs) It might be like back-to-back bats, you know, in in game 162 or something. But (laughs) yeah, wow. Isn't that what he's doing? Like, that's actually... It's actually the strange but true part of this. The, the 698 part is not the strange but true part of the strange but true segment. Here we go. Doug, since August 10th, do you know who leads the National League in homers? Uh, is his first name Albert? <laughs> You're catching on. This is how I roll here. Yes, it's Albert Pujols with 12. And that is just crazy. Albert has 12. Nobody else, as we record this, even has 10. There's a big group at nine. Uh, Mookie's in it. Manny Machado's in it. Paul Goldschmidt's in it. There's a bunch of guys. But the, the player with the most homers in the league in that time is the guy who's about to retire? What the heck? So I, I decided to look this up today. 12 home runs in 35 games for Albert, and he's 42. Uh, there are only two other players in history who have hit 10 home runs in any span of 32 games at age 42 or older. Mm. You want to guess, Doug? Man, 42? Uh, Hank Aaron? No. How, when did he retire? Uh, he was fading at 42. Uh, but one of them is pretty obvious. Like Barry Bonds is obvious, 2007. Who do you think the other is? Albert Pujols. You've heard of him? Albert Pujols. Albert is one, but there's one other. It's Ted Williams Ted. in 1960. Mm. Bonds, Ted, Albert. Mm. I got Here's one for you. What do you think is the shortest span in which Doug Glanville ever hit 12 homers in any season? Wow. Uh, he only hit 12 in one season, so it's not that hard to think of yeah, the season. Yeah, it's uh, 2001. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, I was on fire actually. It might have been before the All Star break, like three months. This was the year you homered opening day. Yeah, I had well, I had ten in May. Then I was on un- unconscious. 
Um, <laughs> so yeah, but I slowed down, obviously. Uh, <laughs> how many games or at bats? What do we get? What's the fewest number of games in which you hit twelve home runs? Mm, we'll say ninety. That's close. It's 101. Mm. 101 games in 2001. So uh, 101 for you, 35 for <laughs> Albert. Strange, but true. Uh, in fact, in, in Albert's case, 100% true. Yeah. Hey, that's going to do it for this week's show. We'll be bringing you podcast magic, just like this, all season long on The Athletic Baseball Show, which is available in its entirety absolutely free everywhere you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to read any of the phenomenal writing in The Athletic, I can tell you how to do that. If you go to theathletic.com slash baseball show and you're a new subscriber, you can subscribe for just $1 a month for the next six months. $1! Also remember, you too can be part of this podcast because we keep on picking some fun trivia question from some fun listener every week. Then that listener joins us right here and proves once again, there's almost no baseball trivia question we can't get wrong. So you can email us a question at Starkville at theathletic.com or you can hit us up with your questions on Twitter. I'm going to start to find me on Twitter. You have to start spelling my name. You don't have to finish. <laughs> It's at J-A-Y-S-O-N-S-T. But that Doug Glanville, he's a stickler for first and last name. Mm -hmm. So how would somebody tweet at you, Doug? Well, I kind of wonder what happened to the arc part of your name? It just get lopped off or it was just by design? Uh, well, it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. Oh, okay. I was wondering. So the arc was busy. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> each two from each baseball team. I love it. Yep. Uh, yeah, my name is pretty easy. At Doug Glanville, D-O-U-G-G-L-A-N. I'm just going to read it now. V-I-L-L-E. <laughs> Hit me up. It's what he does every week. He reads his name. Uh, also, please remember to hashtag those questions. Hashtag Starkville QS. So, Doug, thanks for playing. Thanks to Mike Petriello and Jake Mintz for the awesome work in the trial of Judge and Otani. Uh, a 30 for 30 coming to a 30 for 30 screen t near you. No, it's not. Uh, thanks to Chris Donald for the great trivia question. Thanks to the mayor of Starkville, Tim McMaster, for producing us and putting up with us. And thanks to you all for listening. Tomorrow is Roundtable Day here on the Athletic Baseball Show. And Doug and I will see you next Tuesday on Starkville. Starkville.